holiday season, motherfuckers. We're buying low. We're selling for more than pay. Let's go. The Sock Jig Sneaker Podcast. Listening is like renting me as a friend for 30 minutes. Episode 3, the Sock Jig Sneaker Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Sock Jig and on Instagram as well at Sock Jig. Um, welcome back. How's it going? I wanted to say, first off, uh, thank you to everyone who uh, bought the socks that I dropped uh, last week, the, the Fjord Blue ones. Uh, as I mentioned, the secret here is they're actually gray, but you know, if you call them blue like Kanye does, uh, you your eyes see blue. I actually didn't have as many uh, socks as this time as I have in previous drops. And this time I just done things a little bit different. I did a shock drop. You know, I didn't even tell my friends or anyone. People were messaging me afterwards. Hey, how do I get those? Uh, and I said, you know, that was just a shock drop. I wanted to do something like that just because I can. And uh, in previous times I had done like group buys and stuff too, where I, where I approach groups that have uh, been nice to me. And ask them if they want, um, you know, a, a small allocation set aside for them. But this time I didn't. And so uh, I left them all on there and they, you know, they, they were all gone. So thank you for everyone who buying, uh, who ended up buying them for me. And um, if you missed out, there will probably be more socks coming up in the next couple of months here. You know, Black Friday is coming up. So I'm, I'm looking to do something for that again. You know, maybe even bringing back the black or the cream ones. Slightly different, maybe not exactly like the the first OG ones that I dropped. But if you did miss out, they should come back. And uh, and once again, thank you for everyone who did buy. You know, if there's a sponsor for the Sock Jig Sneaker Podcast, it's uh, coincidentally, it's uh, Sock Jig Socks. Uh, It's kind of like that Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs for Mark Jacobs thing. You know, same thing. Thank you, Sock Jig, for sponsoring the sock jig sneaker podcast with your sock jig socks sock jig really appreciates it what is that third person fourth yeah i don't know on feet today i had the air max one atmos elephant 2017 sneakers you know sometimes if you just like it's been a slow week and i you don't pick up anything i usually just take out some heat like this and those are those are the kind of shoes that are just like too good not to wear so and my, my lesson on those is I originally had three pairs of those. And back then I was like, well, I only need one. So let me just get rid of the other two. So the lesson here is never sell good shoes. Just keep them. Sell the junk. Keep the good shoes. And that and that leads to the pickups. I didn't really pick up anything this week. And you know, I'm kind of in a washed week. Really, I only wanted that Supreme microphone. But once I saw it, it was $258. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll pay 158 but not 258 Um, And this week, I, I didn't really get up in the morning for the rubber dunks. It, it's an all right shoe. I, I don't hate it that much. The, the black and green one is probably the nicest one. Um, from what I saw, stores had, you know, pretty good, pretty good stock. They had from like 200 to 300 pairs. And it's just one of those shoes that even if I did have it, it would never be my go-to. I, I would... I would pick out any other off-white I have before I get to that one. So that's what I mean earlier. Sell these kind of shoes. Keep the good ones. And the other release this week was the the Carbon 350 Yeezy. Uh, I skipped this. It's just not something I wanted to wear myself. I don't wear 350s anymore. Um, 
and even resale wise, you know, I'm not going to get it same day. I'm not, I'm not going into any store, you know, by the time I would get it in hand on the West coast here, it'll probably be a brick. So you'll just have to hold it for a year only to make like 30, $40, which, you know, is totally fine. A lot of people do that. It's just not something I felt like doing on this one. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. You know, like I said, it, sometimes it's okay to get off the Ferris wheel of this uh, this cycle that everyone's in. And, you know, you can get back on anytime you want. And as you may have seen, stock was pretty high for these allegedly, but it was still a difficult uh, cop to get. You know, the the, the weird thing about these is um, the, they drop at 7 a.m. Eastern. So that's 4 a.m. my time. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to get up for these. Like half the country doesn't want to get up for these. So, you know, my, my theory is most of the people who are buying these resale are, are West Coast who didn't want to get up that early. And I bet most of that is just retailers hedging their bets, assuming that they should sell theirs before Yeezy Supply drops theirs, which is usually like, you know, 6 a.m. or uh, Pacific time or 9 a.m. Eastern. Or that's just Adidas that they've told retailers, hey, this is a set time where you have to release and it's got to be before us. And this is one of those shoes where you can kind of do whatever you want with this. You can you can sell it the same day. You can, you know, um, say only no tax, free ship, uh, states should buy it. Or, uh, like I saw a lot of people, they were just buying as many as they could because they have the capital to hold. So you, you can buy one, you can wear it, you can buy two, you can hold them, you can buy 200 and you can hold, you can hold them. Uh, wh- whichever way you think these are going to go. And one thing that I've seen is, uh, you know, uh, the Bay size Yeezy 350s like never fail. So the people who are holding know that and that's what they're counting on. So the people who are in those sizes, the women who love these shoes, once they're worn, once they're harder to get, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of pairs available for for them. And the people who held it are going to be the ones selling. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who reached out and expressed an interest in wanting to make a guest appearance on this podcast. You know, I, I really appreciate it. Um, like like I said in the, the previous episodes, I, I just want to get some reps in. This podcast right now is, you know, not a polished product by any means. Uh, you know, the goal is to kind of eventually translate my the, the voice that I have on Twitter into the into podcast form. And that's just, it's impossible to just kind of snap your fingers and get right to that. So, you know, for now, like I said, just doing my reps here, getting some practice in, getting a little bit more comfortable. Each episode will probably, hopefully be a little bit better than the previous one. And then once that I feel in, I'm in a, at a good state where I, I feel comfortable, and then I'll start adding guests and other stuff. So, but for now, Twitter is still my main thing. That's where I am for just whatever jokes and opinions that I have. And this is kind of just an addendum to my uh, Twitter feed itself. And eventually I'll add segments here, you know, and maybe even sponsorships and things like that, you know, things that are podcast exclusive. Uh, But for now, this is what you get. If you're listening, I appreciate you. Thank you. The sneaker guy of the week this week is the arbitrary rule or budget guy. This is the person who gets overwhelmed from sneakers you know, either because of budget or they just see that they had got too much lately or, you know, maybe a significant other said something and then they have the feel the need to make up an arbitrary rule or uh, set an arbitrary budget like, 
you know, I'm only going to spend uh, $150 on sneakers this month, which is like nothing. You're going to buy a pair of Vans or um, no more sneakers for three months. You know, and then there's, you know, some of these, some of these ones are like wild or, or, and some are more reasonable. Like I'm going to buy one and then I'll sell one or, um, and then it gets unreasonable. Like, you know, I'm no more, I'm so mad at sneakers. I'm uninstalling the the app and I'm getting rid of everything and no more Nike for the rest of the year. I'm like, come on, no one's going to do that. And <laughs> this, the sneaker guy of the week, this guy always breaks these rules. So it's like, why even make them up? You're just like, it's like doing some mental gymnastics for no reason. And most of you guys can't even go a week without buying sneakers. So who are you really kidding? So if you lie to yourself and you make up an arbitrary rule about how or when you're going to buy some sneakers and you, that you know you'll break, then you are the sneaker guy of the week. One of the first topics I wanted to talk about is uh, cook groups and some of the keys to operating and running a cook group. Um, if you don't know what a cook group is, just kind of go back and listen to any other podcast I've been a guest on where I've went on to explain it. Uh, and like a even cook group saying it out loud, it sounds kind of weird. Um, anyways, some of the keys to a good cook group that I've noticed is, you know, the, the usual stuff, like you have to have good monitors from a wide variety of sites. It's got to be reasonably priced. You know, some charge more, obviously offer more. Um, and one of the other keys is you got to have a lot of people that mo moderators that post a lot of information about lots of different things. And this is where you kind of see where a group has to have feature parity with other groups. So if one group is, uh, say, offering uh, cards or bricks or uh, Funkos or, you know, other art things that flip, you know, in the summer you saw pools and things like that flipping. Um, there there was people, their moderators, updating and giving that kind of info out. And what you'll see is most of these groups rent the monitors from, you know, someone else, usually like someone like Zephyr or a couple others. So... Uh, at a monitor level, most of them offer the same product, so they don't really compete at that. The ones that do compete at that usually have their own custom monitors. And one of the other things was, like, pe people who are in these groups, uh, I, had, I had sent out a, a tweet a while back saying, you know, most of them, they're not even in there for the monitors. They're just renting friends. They have, uh, they've got friends that they've made in the chat channels, and, you know, those are long-term friends. They don't want to miss out on... Uh, talking with them so that's why they're there it's like a social club for them and for actual owners of groups the, you know the key for them is to have good moderators and you know treat them well these are the people who are going to be answering messages answering dms uh you know giving the release information there's so many releases that you just can't keep it on top of them all and you know if you're renting information you know you don't know anything about cards so you're you're renting z-med or uh, as they call them in canada z-med you know pay him on time that kind of stuff the other key for owners is you know your members should be washed those are the people who are going to pay money those are the people that need info the the guys who are experts at this they they're somewhere else they don't even they're at the point where they don't even need monitors or groups or anything they kind of operate on their own you need people who don't know what they're doing, who need help, who need their hand held. And that's why I say that good moderators are the, the key for, for you guys. For owners of groups, 
to get those WASH members, you need an owner that has some clout, that has a personality, that is the leader of the group. And if, like if you started a, a group right now, say called uh, XYZ Notify or something like that, and it was all anonymous, no one knew who did who had it. The only way to stand out is is by you know by by success by showing that you can uh, hit sneakers that you that you have good monitors that you have good information you have to post success but guess what everyone has that and you know success is hard to come by these days because the stock is less and less and it's hard to differentiate yourself by just being successful as an anonymous person but it's easier to differentiate yourself as a personality what do you bring different than anyone else and that's where clout goes a long way. That's where an owner with that has a personality goes a long way. An owner that is likable. And that's where WASH members want to be around someone like that. And, you know, uh, Shaw is the model for this. Uh, Shaw Shaw, real smooth on Twitter if you're, you don't know who I'm talking about. And he's responsible for a lot of these newer personalities that you've been seeing online, on YouTube, or on Twitter. And, you know, s- someone like a... a Florida reseller or Burger Kicks and stuff, they owe a lot to a Shah because he showed the model of someone who's like fun, as outgoing, puts really like loud videos out there, and you know uh, pe- people like him. So and then when he started a group, people want to be around him. So I think you know I I know a lot of people have a problem with him. I don't have any problem with him, but I think he's awesome. He is the model for all this. He knows what he's doing. And a lot of these personalities that are creating their own friends and family discords and, you know, charging monthly for that, they're following his path that he's he's blazed for everyone. So shout out Shaw. The other thing I've noticed is that some of these owners, once their group gets to a certain level, they kind of, uh, they, they, they fall back. They let the moderators do more of the work. They don't come around as much. And I think that's a big mistake. I think they should be in the trenches out there with the people, out there with the wash people. Um, who want to, who are there to be around someone like you. So, um, so, you know, don't become lazy, be there in there, be there with your, if you're a man of the people, be there with the people. And you don't necessarily need clout for this. You know, uh, clout does go a long way, but if you're an owner, if you're there with the people, you're there answering questions, um, and you're, you're willing to be around people who are washed and answer washed questions. I think your group will go a long way. And that's what some people just don't want to be around watch people. They want to be around people who are more at their level. So um, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a way to stand out. But personality goes a long way. And, you know, these are just my thoughts as an outside observer, uh, <laughs> as an independent reporter. So, uh, you know, I, I don't run a group. I don't know what it's uh, actually like. Um, so if someone could tell me, uh, what their experience is, feel free to at me on Twitter, but this is a, consider this a, a third party, uh, viewpoint. And also this is not an advertisement for myself. I, I don't want to be, uh, a, a, an owner of a group. Um, I do have a fictional, uh, cook group called Ding Dong Notify though. Shout out Ding Dong Notify. Hey, let, let's hear a uh, six, nine shout it out. Yo, I want to give a big shout out to Notify. <laughs> that was so stupid. Uh, when I when I posted that, I was like, uh, I should just delete this. But oh well, send tweet.
Finally, I want to talk about the Warren Lotus staple um, Jason Dunk that he's releasing, which he calls an official reinterpretation of an effing classic. Um, and so I, I wanted to kind of lay out a, a few things. I wanted to go through it, uh, go through from uh, Warren Lotus's perspective, Nike's perspective, and uh, Jeff Staple, and then kind of give my opinion. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the term like, what should we call these shoes? And are they fakes or what are they? I I think the proper term for these are knockoffs. Fakes are, like, designed to make you think that it's the real shoe, that, that it's an actual, like, counterfeit fake pair of Nikes that have Nike branding. These do not have Nike branding other than a swoosh that's kind of modified like Jason. So I think knockoff is a better term. You know, and there's in in the in the sneaker world, there's lots of shoes that have been uh, inspired by other shoes. Luxury brands do this a lot. Uh, you know, Skechers does this a lot, and Skechers is actually a company that uh, Nike and other Adidas and other uh, brands have gone after because they do blatantly rip off. Um, but here, a Warren Lotus, what he basically did was he took a Nike Dunk and he uh, recreated it by himself in what he says in an Italian factory, the same one that makes uh, Saint Laurent and Jimmy Choo or something like that. He claimed. So what he what he basically did was he he paid for his own molds at this factory, and these molds are super expensive. So. It could be like 10 to 15K to, to, to make one size nine, for example, and another 10K to make another one. So, but we'll uh, get to that a little bit later. But what I did see was uh, if you were actually viewing as the sales were going on with with a, a Chrome plugin called Shopify Inventory Viewer, you could actually see how many he was selling. And from what I saw was he basically sold around 25,000 of these. So, you know, which is kind of a lot. So in case you missed it, what Warren did was he um, he made it available to anyone to pre-order for 15 minutes. So so he said he he wanted everyone that wants it to be able to get it. So for 15 minutes, you can see orders coming in. Uh, anyone could order. So for those 15 minutes, anyone could you know add to cart and check out and order, and they would be guaranteed their pair. But they would get it three to four months later. So uh, let's break it down a little bit. Let's start with uh, Warren Lotus here. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that struck out to me when he said was he said, you know, love me or hate me, that this is what I want to do. And, you know, from that, what I what, what that means to me is he, he knows that, you know, the hate, the people that don't like him are just as important as the people who do love him, because that means that he's, you know, he's hitting a nerve. He's he's getting through uh, among uh, all the rest. So. The the people who say shit about him, he he's probably at the point where he's like, good, I need more haters. You know, if you look at his Instagram, you'll see kind of his style. Warren is a guy who does like, you know, a comic book kind of uh, drawings and stuff and, you know, sells it at high uh, prices at, at a almost semi-luxury price. And but he is like this kind of clown prince where he, it is easy to make fun of him because he does put himself out there. He is. He is a buffoon sometimes, um, and he does shitty things too. Uh, what a good example is this uh, Milwaukee Bucks a jersey that uh, not sorry not a jersey a hoodie that he had released that was like the shittiest quality. It was like this purple thing with a real tree, 
And what he does, it was he basically does these false advertising where he 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 makes these mock-ups and then the actual product that you get, it looks nothing like the mock-up. A couple of people posted these Milwaukee Bucks things to me and I, uh, I posted this hoodie and it looked like shit. It was like this pill to purple thing. And you could even, if you look through Grail, do you see all these examples of people like complaining or even on the Instagram posts, people were just complaining that this is not what they wanted. A couple of people said there, you know, when they contacted customer service, customer service said, you can get a refund if you pay for the shipping, that kind of stuff. So I tweeted this out. It got a bunch of likes and retweets and people were like, what the hell is this? And then uh, I saw, uh, I think it was the next day he actually posted on his Instagram stories and he said, I want to address this purple bucks hoodie situation. You know, this is 100% my fault. Finding a real tree hoodie blank that isn't incredibly lightweight proved to be impossible. And after a dye wash, they came out even lighter and pillier. I thought they were good, but in the back of my mind, I had doubts. You know, okay, <laughs> if you had doubts, why'd you make this? Because uh, I think I know why, because uh, you had people's money. So, you know, I think that's an important note, and we'll get back to that a little bit uh, later. And so then he said, every customer who ordered a Purple Bucks hoodie is receiving a care package that will contain tees or hoodies from past collections. And if we run out of that, we will make something new for you. Your support and trust means everything, and I will make this right. Uh, yeah, okay, that, you know, this is all good that he did all that stuff, but he wasn't going to do jack shit until I said something about this, until the, the tweets that I put out got some traction. What were you going to do that before that? You were going to ask people to, to pay for shipping it back and then refund it. So this is, this is what I mean, where he's like this clown prince where, he does uh, things right sometimes, and he does the shitty things other time, and then he's hoping it go it, it skirts back, and all the while he's trying to like make as much money as possible, which is which is fine, but you know don't you know don't do false advertising. Another thing he did recently was he he started needling the the vintage community, and he recreated this uh, Marvel. Uh, Weapon X t-shirt of like this half kind of a skull that's like burning and there's cables and stuff coming out. And in the mock-up that he has, the guy is kind of like off-center. There's flames all over the the shoulders and the, the cables are all really bright. And, you know, the, it looks just like the vintage stuff. And then uh, if you look in the Instagram, uh, you know, if you don't believe my word, just search his Instagram and check what people are saying. He's like, wow, what, what we got is like nothing like this. Like, like we got bamboozled. He goes, zoom in on the print and see what what, what he has versus what we got. And, and sure enough, if you look at uh, the photos on Ungrailed, you'll you'll see the real photos on Grailed. And they they don't look like that. The guy is like in the middle and he's like his, his shape, his face of his shape look like it's been in the vice, like he's in Casino. And the colors aren't bright. And it, it's just way off from what the original was so he pitches one thing and then he delivers another thing and then people complain and then he'll tell them hey just ship it back but you know if someone else actually calls him out on it maybe he'll do something i don't know maybe i'll send a couple tweets of this too after this podcast is out the other big player in this is obviously nike and you know obviously nike probably is not a big fan of this i doubt they like it but and, you know, the Nike SB team, they're probably the same thing. They probably don't like it at all. Uh, but should they sue Warren Lotus? Or do they have grounds to sue him? 
grounds you know i'm not i'm not a lawyer here but they probably do if they wanted to and that's the thing i don't think they want to you know i don't think nike's gone after these artist customs because they're in this knockoff gray area and it's not a big priority as much as it is going after uh you know count real counterfeit syndicate gangs that are that are producing millions and millions of, of fake uh fakes out there that, that actual fakes that look like nike product and so they probably see this as just like some small fish that they don't care and, and if you're the small guy and nike goes to war with you nike then elevates you to their level it it, it brings attention on warren lotus and he would gain a lot from that. Nike doesn't want to make you famous. Nike doesn't want to get get this guy any more famous than he already is at this level. So I think Nike yields this power very selectively. And I, like I, I compared them to a warship. They're not a warship is not worried about a guy you know shooting darts from a raft. They're like well, we got enough other big problems going on. Um. But, you know, numbers plays a big thing. He, if he's a small fish, then you don't worry about it. But if if Warren Lotus left that pre-order open for a week and instead of 25000 he say he sold, you know, 750000 you know, which is unlikely, but this is an iconic, a remake of an iconic shoe. So, you know, it could happen, let's say. Nike would probably raise an eyebrow at that. They'd be like, what is going on? And in terms of uh, lawsuits here, what I saw is, he, uh, Warren doesn't use the word dunk anywhere. He doesn't use any copywritten words. That w- that was one of the issues where I think what happened with uh, Boost God and Adidas. Adidas owns the copyright to Boost. And the way copyright laws work are very different. Like they're very specific that if you do not protect your copyright um, and then when someone else says, hey, look, we want to use Boost because Boost God did it and they didn't say anything. The judge could say, hey, you didn't defend your copyright. You didn't sue this guy. You didn't give him a cease and desist. So if copyright written words like dunk and uh, you know things like that are used, I think Nike would be much more interested. I think very early on in like the first kind of uh, Instagram stories on the, at the first red Jason dunk that he did, uh, he did use the word dunk and stuff like that, but I think he very quickly realized and, and took scrubbed it all out. The other guy in this is obviously Jeff Staple, and Jeff Staple owns that pigeon icon. He he can put it on whatever he wants. That that is his his thing. And the thing about Jeff Staple is he's he's very still well respected in the industry. And his sign off on the shoe, I think, went a, you know a super long way. If if he was not involved, I don't I don't see this thing being as successful. You know, maybe it is, but I, I saw tons of people saying if if Jeff is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. But it was interesting that Jeff was even working with uh, Warren Lotus as all, but because I saw it as a sign that he's no longer working with Nike SB at all, because you know he did he did release the Black Pigeon Dunks in 2017 and the the Panda Pigeon Dunk, you know whatever concept a panda pigeon what a shitty concept <laughs> that was um as recently as like i said 2019 so that was last year so that if him working with uh warren lotus here and even uh sabotage he's working on some custom that he did with him i think it was a sign that he's no longer he's no longer in a working relationship with nike because if he was i think he would say no to warren lotus like hey, I'm still working on a few official pigeon dunks with Nike, so, you know, I don't want to, 
you know, I don't want to anger them by bringing back this iconic shoe. And so either that relationship was over or if it wasn't, it is going to be now because I I don't think there's any coming back from this now. And the thing with the thing with Nike contracts are they're rarely discussed. You know, everyone is guessing on what what Drake's contract status was. And it, it sort of came out eventually in leaks. Even Jerry Lorenzo, people people are like, um, it, the contract is over, it's done. But he, he went on a podcast and gave interviews and said that his contract is in question. But he did say that, you know, we're working on stuff for later in the year, but a long-term thing is not, it's not in set in stone yet. So no one really knows exactly what, what his uh, contract status is. But, you know, I'm pretty sure Jeff Staple's contract with Nike is done and that bridge is burnt and I don't, I don't see that happening anytime soon. The other thing that people were critical of, of Jeff Staple was that, you know, he was in charge of protecting the legacy of the pitch and dunk. And, you know, what has he done? He's kind of bastardized it here with, with a shoe that's not going to look like a dunk at all. It's going to look like, you know, a, a remake, like, like they, they called it a reinterpretation and like I said on my Twitter, shout out to the sneaker boomers for stepping up, for really actually stepping in and um, protecting the legacy of this shoe. You know, for, for calling it what it is, that, that this is junk, that this is garbage, that <laughs> this should not have been made. Um, because, you know, Jeff Staple's not doing it. So, uh, so who's gonna? Everyone else has to step in and do that role. Well, let's uh, let's try to look at it from uh, Jeff Staple's point of view. Uh, say his contract or status with Nike is over, that Nike has no interest in working with him. Uh, what does he do? And say Warren Lotus approaches him with this idea. You know that this shoe is a classic. You know that it will bring in a certain amount of money for him. Do you say no? Like I, I see. I totally get it. Why he did it. You, you, you don't say no, even if that means you know burning a bridge and so i mean if i if i was jeff steeple i'd be like hey guys remember that remember that gray shoe i did a long time ago and the people rioted wasn't that awesome and you know and the, he does that he you know he puts it on t-shirts and stuff like that and he he uses that legacy of that shoe as an inspiration for like a lot of his designs going forward one other thing i wanted to note is that I, you know, I think a hidden, hidden New York uh, Instagram influencer is, is to blame for a lot of this. He, he signs off on a lot of these Jordan knockoffs that are going. I think he's a big fan of these. And the same kind of thing where if people see hidden New York is okay with this, then they're okay with it as well. But overall, this is happening because of how dominant Nike is. Nike is this huge player. They are, like I said, the, a warship. And in a weird way, this has been kind of a, st- a referendum or statement on how hard it has been for people to get dunks, or, and especially dunks that they can't get on like these old ones. Uh, and then all, uh, out of nowhere, this guy comes along, this dude comes along, and he says, hey, you can all cop this knockoff off of this iconic sneaker with the original collaborator's blessing. And, you know, Nike's never going to do it. Here's your chance. And so... Nike's to blame for that in terms of availability of their shoes and but Nike wants the availability of their shoes to be limited you know those dunks that are in those Michigan dunks and stuff that are going to stores you know they're getting 20 
when the demand might have been, you know, 1,200 people trying to get them. The thing I do like about Warren Lotus and Jeff Staple doing this is that they are two guys, you know, taking the chance. They're kind of causing trouble at a big company. And, you know, who else is doing that? Who else is going up with their raft up against the warship? You know, and that kind of stuff can can bring out interesting artwork and bring out stuff, you know. that That's where the RE Menthol 10s came out. And, you know, but here we have two cornballs doing it. Are these the right guys doing it? And why are they doing it? You know, the RE Menthol 10s that came out, those were an artistic statement about consumerism. And in this case, where is the artistic statement? You know, the, the first Jason shoe, the red one that was made, that was probably qualifies. But do these qualify? I don't think they do at all. You know, um, it was very telling that um, uh, in the Complex podcast this re- uh, last week, uh, they reached out to both a Staple and a Lotus, and they both declined to talk about it. You know, they declined to talk about it because it's an obvious blatant cash grab that they're doing. They paid for these molds. Uh, Warren Lotus paid for these molds. They must have been ten, fifteen thousand dollars for each size. He did this huge full-size run of molds. And, you know, he probably didn't get to make his money back on that first um, Jason shoe he did. So he did that next Heineken one. And then he did that, that Stussy one. And then now he got Jeff Staple, another cornball, on board with him to say, hey, I can get you paid. Maybe they're paid off now. We got 25,000 orders here. Let's go. You know, that, this is nothing like the Ari Menthol 10s. This is, this is all for money. So, so with that said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Tiffany's are next. You know, Nikki Diamonds, expect a call if you haven't already had one. But what he's done is he's operated in this gray area really well. You know, he doesn't use any copywritten words that are by Nike. The, the closest thing he does is he uses the swoosh. He uses the Jason logo because, you know, I think he, he realizes that Warner Brothers or whoever owns Friday the 13th aren't probably aren't going to sue. Whereas if he did Freddy shoes, New Line likes to sue a lot. So they'd probably jump right in on a lawsuit. And he knows that Nike doesn't like going after small guys. And he knows that there's demand for these dunks. Just look at StockX prices. And even here, he used they used the StockX image and just put the, they literally used the, the joke tweet that I sent out. They, they took the StockX image and they put the Jason swoosh on it. And, you know, the final product would not look like that. From the Heinekens that I've seen and the, you know, the, the first, the red Jason that I've seen, they don't not, they do not look like real dunks. The actual fakes that are coming out look like real dunks. Whereas whatever the St. Laurent factory that he found in Italy and redid it, the shoe from scratch, did not spend the time making it look like an exact dunk. So, if anything, that I, what I know from sneaker Twitter is, if, if you bought these on, an, on an Amex, you probably have good grounds to even charge back free shoes. <laughs> this fucking guy, huh? Anyways, that's been episode three. Thanks for listening. If you could do me a favor, can you leave a review that goes a long way? Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.